Today is Thursday, April 6th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 507 features former and longtime Boston Herald scribe Mark Murphy. And I'm Evan Valenti, and this show is powered by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. Get a $200 bonus on your first bet of at least $5 or more. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. It's Celtics Beat, and uh, this is a special one. It is. Not just because the regular season is winding down, but because while the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, for those that were paying attention, I know it's a very small percentage of you, very tiny, but the uh, the Celtics Beat Invitational, the Fantasy Basketball League, first annual, I call it that, not knowing if it's coming back next year, the first annual Basketball League it is finished. We had our championship this past week, and we are joined by a good friend of the program and also a man who absolutely blew doors off my team in the finals. Everybody's team. Everybody's team. Everybody's Mark, team. Mark Murphy, he went 18-2 and in the regular season. He finished the year on a 13-game winning streak, and then, you know, three, four more rounds in the playoffs, whatever it was. Wasn't exactly living on the waiver wire either. Just drafted well, owned his team all the way through, stayed mostly healthy, which is always a helpful thing. But the performances, they were consistent all the way from the beginning till the very end, unlike our friend Bobby Manning from the Garden Report, who won week one (laughs) and then basically closed the tab and never opened it again. Mark Murphy, diligent, and earned his championship prize. Murph, congrats and welcome back. Uh, thanks, guys. Good to be back. This is what happens when you retire, right? You have time to wreck people in fantasy basketball. It, it's easy when you just put your draft filter on best player available. I was on fire at one point, and then I I, I had a, my team, for all the people that did not pay attention to this league, my team got healthy around midway through the year. Anthony Davis was playing regularly. Joel Embiid was playing regularly, so I was starting to win some games. I was like on a six or seven game win streak, and then I played Mark, and then Mark put me in my place. <laughs> I had a good week too. I was the third highest scoring like team that week, and Mark took me up behind the woodshed and put me out the pasture. Like three hundred point win for Mark. I was like, this uh, is he did. He beat me by like three or four hundred points in the finals. Unbelievable, too. Mark. You see, oh, week by Devaney in the semifinals, and then just came and wrecked me. Oh, both both of you guys were my two losses during the season. So, you know, hey. you, Celtics beat representing doing something uh, right. <laughs> it's uh, Donovan Mitchell was, like, yeah, uh, you know, kind of. Well, maybe we'll do it again next year. Certainly, yeah. we'll come back to defend your crown if we do. We'll we may have to make some adjustments to the overall roster of. Uh, of, of participants in the league since, like I said, Bobby was uh, one of a couple that maybe wasn't as interested as they thought they might be when they signed up. That's okay. Some of us uh, were, were diligent. I certainly was making more transactions on the waiver wire, probably times four versus anybody else. Very active daily, but uh, hey, came up just short. Finished in the money. It's okay. Yeah. First and second place. I'll so, take it. I'll so take it. We, That's- do we get keepers next year? Uh, I will have to think about that. I mean, I, if everybody came back for sure, but I think if, you know, that it might be cruel to like make somebody have to absorb Bobby's team, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, so I, I'm not sure somebody would, a new person would want to keep her league in that situation, but, yeah. uh, we, we've, we've trashed the man enough. We should allow him to come on and defend himself at some point. Right. In the meantime, the, what people do care about who are listening to the show, if anybody is still listening to the show is the NBA playoffs, which are right around the corner and, uh, and your Boston Celtics, our Boston Celtics down to the final two games of the regular season here. They are, uh, tomorrow night as we sit here right now against Toronto final, uh, actually second to last home game. Uh, the second of, a uh, it's, it's a back to back, not days, but in terms of games, obviously, uh, edged them by four just, uh, yesterday. Feels like longer ago than that. And then, uh, wrap up on Sunday, Easter Sunday against the Hawks and see who even ends up playing in that game because the C's probably won't be playing for anything in that one. And then it's, it's on to the postseason after the play in tournament. And, I, I, we've all got thoughts and, and I, I would say the prevailing, conversation on our text thread that Evan and I will 
constantly refer to on this show that that goes on on a daily basis and all throughout the day talking all things sees Murph is well who scares you it's you know it we're, we're confident the Celtics especially if they're healthy but who frightens you who do you not want to see and I think most people would agree that the Bucks petrify uh and and should they certainly are the team the number one team that uh, not only literally the number one team in the Eastern Conference, but the number one team that that would frighten me as a Celtics fan and does. Uh, but the idea of getting the Heat in the first round, which may come to fruition, is is not sitting well with me either. So you tell me, how should the Celtics be feeling going into the postseason? And how should Celtics fans be feeling? Um, you know the Bucks are the Bucks, and they know. I think I think they have a pretty good game plan for how to play the Bucks. I mean, they know how to defend Embiid. They probably have the guy who has more knowledge in that subject than anybody in Al Horford. It's just one Jimmy Butler jumper and what is the situation like last year? Mm-hmm. I think I think the Heat are just very, very uniquely give them fits. It's the way they defend. It's and they have guys who can really go off. I, you know, they're not, they haven't been consistent this year, but I just think they're kind of a problematic matchup. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, we saw it last year and, and obviously that series going the distance and just how dangerous that team is, but they, they get hot. They can shoot well from three. Jimmy Butler is not uh, afraid of anybody or anything. He, you know, as, as I wouldn't call him pedestrian during the regular season, but he's not, you know, I've always sort of thought of Jimmy Butler and I get flack whenever I tweet this, but it's true. I don't care what people say. Right. He's a guy, he's not, he's not a superstar by, by right. your traditional definition. He's an all-star. He's obviously an excellent player, has plenty of huge games, has, has good averages in the regular season, but he is a guy who plays like a superstar in superstar moments. And what I mean by that is in the playoffs when you need him, I know he missed that jumper that you alluded to before, but yeah. generally speaking, Jimmy Butler shows up when he has to show up. He's just, he's, he's got it in the veins, man. I mean, he's, he's, there's no fear. Spolster is obviously an excellent coach. I think what you said is true. They are just a very good matchup. We've seen it time and time again, be it regular season meetings or series and, just collectively, they're one of those teams that doesn't give a crap. And I say that out of respect. They are a team that just comes in and like, it's, it's like how we used to talk about like the Ravens when they would come in and play the Patriots. There was no fear of Tom Brady or Belichick or anybody on the other side. That's how the Heat are when they go against the Celtics. And I'm not saying the Celtics are those Patriots. They haven't won anything in the big, you know, grand scheme of things. But we talk about this team like they're elite and supposed to be, you know, the class of the Eastern Conference, and the Heat don't give a damn. No, no. I mean, Tyler Hero can still come out and kill you in the fourth. It, it, it's Max Struess. Yes, yes. They and and they produce shooters. They're like what the Pittsburgh Steelers are to wide receivers. Miami is to guys on the wing. You know, it, it's just. Uh, and it's a weird thing, but keeping a guy like Udonis Haslam around just really gives them an edge. They they sort of inherited his personality. I mean, it, it's just sort of, the, you know, he he's not a guy who has an impact that way, but he has an impact uh, in all, you know, all of the subtle stuff. Can I jump in here though? Cause if we like, let's just take a step back for a second, right? If you look at just some of the team ratings, this is per basketball reference. Mm-hmm. Look at some of the adjusted ratings for teams from an offensive standpoint this season. Sacramento leads the world 120 points per 100 possessions. Their offense is unbelievable. We've seen it firsthand, um, with the way they use Sabonis and as mm-hmm. like a kind of a point forward and, Fox has been super clutch and Herder, like they have, they have an awesome offense, right? Well, if you scroll all the way down to number 25, you're going to find the Miami Heat at 113.79 points hmm. per 100 possessions. That's 25th in the league in offense, just barely above the Charlotte Hornets, the San Antonio Spurs, the Detroit Pistons, the Houston Rockets, and the Orlando Magic, right? So they're 
they're just slightly better than four teams who are trying to lose as many games as possible. And the Orlando Magic were a young team learning how to win, right? There's that. Defensively, right, in terms of defensive possessions, Miami still up there. Top 10, 114.47 points per 100 possession on the defensive side. That's good for a top 10 mark at number nine. So their offense is bad. Their defense seems to muck things up. Boston's offense is terrific. Boston's defense is terrific. They're tops in the league in both ends. Um, so it's not like Boston should really be afraid of anybody. But, Mark, my question, I guess, is, like, how much are we letting last year's playoffs affect the way we feel about this matchup this year? Because from where I'm sitting, it doesn't look like the same Miami team is on the floor this year that it has been in years past. You go back to the bubble year, they were a pain in the ass. They were a pain in the ass last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. Is it is it reasonable – to not expect that be the same, not pay, they they would not be the same pain in the ass if they met in the first round this year. Sure, um, and my memory is still very much influenced by that series last year. It's just what they're capable of. I mean, right. maybe it's not how they've played this season, but you know, you put Butler in those situations. I mean, those are clo- he put those are close games regardless of what their drawbacks have been. You know, uh, we, we're going to have time to obviously preview a series with Miami if that ends up coming to fruition. But the inevitable matchup, you would think, if everything kind of goes chalk, right, if everything happens the way it's supposed to, is that the Celtics and Bucks will see each other again. And I, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time previewing that potential series either. We'll do it as time goes along. But just sort of big-picture thoughts – one thing that Evan was uh, was talking about the other day was, is it wrong to not be as frightened of the Bucs as everyone says that you should be as a Celtics fan or the Celtics themselves? Because in the matchups that we've seen, blew them out by 41, blew them out by 20 plus or whatever it was, you know, played a, another game with them when you had three, four starters out and, and it was a... a Single digit game was what a one two point game, something like that. Overtime went to overtime too. So these are are teams that have played, you know, uh, games that have been very lopsided in Boston's favor for the most part. And yet, I think, and I'm I'm not saying this is wrong because this is how I feel. I'm sure others feel the same way. You just see Giannis on the other side, and it it makes you want to curl up into the fetal position and, and cry about what he is capable of doing. We saw what he just did, uh, you know, or what he's done against them in the past. But at the same time, you know, like he can do what Embiid did the other night in, in, in that game for Philadelphia. But if they're not fully healthy, for one, you know, like if Middleton's out and you see a version of them like you saw last year, Boston automatically has an edge, I would think, whether they'd be favored in the series or not, I don't know. But I don't, I, I guess I'm, I'm rambling here, but I guess I, I wonder, should, do we make more of Milwaukee because of Giannis than we actually should because of how well these teams actually do match up in Boston's favor or have so far? Yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't worry me them playing Giannis as much as say playing Curry. Um, I think. It's a rough ride. It's a great team, but they're comfortable in this matchup. They know how they have to play. I, that's not the team that scares me in the East. I, I, I think that you have MB putting another 50 on you. I think you get something to worry about. And I think, you know, you get past Rob Williams, you know, it's not going to work with Luke Cornett out there in that series. It's just not. So it, I'd say so the, the, the Sixers worry you. <laughs> no, seriously. Like the Sixers I, I don't think, scare me at I, all. Yeah, I think Embiid's having a great season and I think he can get there. I don't think he can do it alone. I, Embiid is no, terrific. He's the no. MVP. And I know yeah. he's not alone. He's got Harden around him and he's got a good supporting cast. Yeah. But man, he, 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 chokes or or his team around him chokes when yeah. when right whatever at the at, at the I, biggest moment the biggest stage I, like, I, how many I, playoff I, series has he won 
until until they don't, you know. I yeah, mean, he he is if he is as big a threat to break through as anybody in this league. Really, I mean, you know, maybe this is when he does put him on his back. I mean, it's really on him in that respect. But, um, and I think I've never been a Harden guy, but watching Harden this year, that actually works. I think that's a, I think that's a nice combo. I think Harden finally gets it. I don't know. Do you say that? But, <laughs> it's hard, hard to say. But I, no, I see a lot more. I, I just think that the Celtics, they're very comfortable with that Philly match with the uh sorry Milwaukee matchup. I think they're comfortable with both, Mark. I think they're comfortable with Philly yeah. too. I don't yeah. think they sweat yeah. Philly too much, considering how much success they've had against them previously. Yeah, yeah, true. But you know, there's this part of me that uh, you know, you guys talk about thinking back to next last year. There's part of me thinking back to next last year. It's uh, you know. They, I think they're capable of stumbling in both situations. Yeah, I think health is going to have a lot to do with that. But with like yeah. the Philly thing, Embiid was unbelievable in that game. As much as some people right. want to knock the fact that maybe he wasn't as great on defense, I think he was just conserving himself on the offensive side because he right. knew that he was the only guy that had it that night. You know, and right. in, in, in even with Embiid's fifty plus, it takes three PJ Tucker corner threes to go in to really beat the season that game. If he, if PJ mm-hmm. Tucker doesn't hit some shots, Philly loses that game. And then at that point for Philly, it's like, well, this team swept us in the regular season mm-hmm. and beat at his best game. Maybe no, nah, not in the, not, not the best game of the season. It was one of them. He's had better games. We get a 60 boy mm-hmm. here earlier mm-hmm. in the season. Um, you know, you know, it, it, imagine spoiling a 52 point game from Joel Embiid. You know, I, I think with, with Philly, Philly's issue, in my opinion, has always been they've never had a guy that can guard Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, and they really still don't after they ship Tybal out. And it's not like Tybal's going to be the, the the stopper, but at least he was a wing defender you could throw at both of those guys. Mm-hmm. I look at their roster, and I know that's why they brought in McDaniel's. You know, they have um, who's the guy they got from Memphis, uh, the guard there, Melton. Mm-hmm. Anthony Melton's a good, decent defensive player. That's kind of why they brought him there. But I look at that team, and I just don't see a single guy that can hang with either of those two two wings for the Celtics. And they and Boston collectively has more firepower with Derek White, the way he's playing. Malcolm Brogdon's right. playing extremely well recently. Al Horford is good for a couple threes a game. Um, I, I it's so it, it's boiled down to this for me, and and like and maybe. Some people don't have the same clarity as I do, and and I've, I stumbled at this. If Boston doesn't trip up and beat themselves, the Celtics right. are going to win the finals. I think I think they're the best, most talented, most complete team in the NBA. I think there are teams that can give them trouble. I think Denver is a real problem because of the way Jokic does everything. I think the Suns, if they're healthy, because they have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on the same team, they're going to be a problem. Giannis is always going to be a problem. I don't care how comfortable you feel against that team. He's just a nightmare. But outside of that and the Warriors making some miraculous run to the NBA Finals, if you're the Boston Celtics, and I know this might sound really like Homer-ish and really, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, it might feel like I'm looking down or, or demeaning other teams. I think Boston has done a really good job taking a look at what they needed last year and said, oh, we need a little bit more playmaking, here's this guy. Oh, we need a little more defense, here's this guy. You know, in a year of getting Derek White comfortable in the system and a little bit more confident in his jump shot has turned him into an irreplaceable member of their guard rotation. Derek White, um, I was very, very, very pro Derek White trade last year. I know there were several people that were not. But everybody that 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 has watched Derek this year and said it wasn't a great trade eating pro this year because Derek White's been tremendous. Again, I don't, I, I just don't fear, I don't fear Philly like at all, and I fear them even less after the the loss the other night. Even though Embiid was unbelievable, it's like, well, they didn't have uh, one of their big guys in the game, and Jalen Brown didn't play. Like, what did you expect? Right. I don't know. Um. 
One team that I don't think is on the fringe at all is Cleveland. And I think Cleveland poses some really interesting matchups for the Celtics, especially inside. Yeah. Um, and when the Celtics get beat, I mean, the, the glass, the paint in the glass is part of where it happens. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is going to go as big as anybody. Yeah. He's had a great season. And if for some reason, Boston has a hard time beating Cleveland. They, what are they? One and three against Cleveland this year with three overtime so, losses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Cleveland gives them a hard time. And if like, I think it's a Coro on the wing. If he's in threes, cause he's a good player defensively. If he's right. in threes, Garland's a good player. Uh, uh Mitchell, Mitchell's Garland. tremendous. Yeah. And Mobley, you know, again, with Mobley, you don't know. He's never been on this, this kind of stage before, but he's the pedigree, pedigree's certainly there. So it's yeah. a matter of when they put it together. I, I think they've had a great season. Um, I think they're definitely a team to look at for the future and say, man, they're going to, be wary of this team, no question. It's just, as you know, Mark, the playoffs are a different animal. Right. You know, it's this, this is different defenses. You know, Garland and, and Mitchell are going to have to face double teams all the time. And as much as you want to say, oh, well, it's just a double team, like it, it's, it becomes much harder. Look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in the playoffs. Like, right. they've spent all season this year working on getting out of doubles quicker, getting off the ball, right. getting it back, all that stuff. You know, if you've been practicing practicing that to simulate that in the playoff atmosphere is pretty tough, in my opinion. But I agree with you. I think Cleveland's an, a you know is an interesting matchup and gives the Celtics, like in terms of geometry, the way they manipulate the court with their two big guys and Mobley can really, as a defensive player, guard up and down no problem. Right. They present some really interesting issues on you know both sides of the court. Murph, you jumping into the mobile betting at all, or are you just, uh, you know, oh, no. take, taking no. people to the woodshed with, uh, with the season long fantasy? Oh, uh, uh, man. I just retired. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. It's, uh, we're, we're, we're playing, we're, we're, uh, getting some friends together. We're playing dominoes. That's, oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. High That's risk. That's where you're sending your cash. I stay <laughs> Yeah. But, um, yeah, how much does that ballpark help Duval? So yeah, he's been actually <laughs> oh, <laughs> loving the wall. Although he homered again today in in uh, in Detroit, left so center he, baby, four hundred yeah, so plus he, feet. Yeah. He's he's going away anywhere. Hey, as we as we chat, I realize this is people won't be listening to this show in real time, but the Bruins just won an overtime. So now, big big win for the bees. Okay. Keep, keeping up their record setting chase. Uh, it's look, hopefully we're in for uh, a long playoff couple of months here, both between the, the Bruins and obviously the Celtics. When it comes to the seas, is there anything right now that to you over these next couple of games or even into the, the start of the playoffs, is there something that to you is a priority? For instance, whether like people have the debate about prioritizing rest right now and, and currently over the last few games, Joe Missoula has been kind of, alternating a little bit like obviously you're not seeing Al Horford on the second leg of a back-to-back but Jalen Brown's out and then Jason Tatum's out Marcus Smart has missed time Malcolm Brogdon has missed time and so and and again over these last couple of games who knows who's going to play it might be like the the main Celtics getting getting called up for uh you know a significant playing time we'll see but do you like that or would you prefer as opposed to kind of having staggered rosters would you rather have one that's that's all your guys kind of treat it like a playoff dress rehearsal and rotations and the starters and what it's going to look like. And then the other game can be, you know, the the preseason game where nobody plays. Yeah, I mean, uh, Toronto being a potential opponent, I guess, I, I could, uh, I would go after that one, you know, with your regular lineup and then, Rest guys on Sunday if you have to, but it's. I guess this is what they're going to do. It it it's it's different from last year in that you know this the, this three point theory is like set in cement. Um, you know, you guys are much closer to it than I was this year, but 
you know, the, uh, they're changing their philosophy in the paint when they should attack. Um, I, I, I just, my biggest worry for them is that they're going to fall into the same rut and continue to hunt threes. And if shots aren't falling, you should be attacking. You should be, you know, doing more old school type of stuff. You should be going more to pick and rolls and playing your two stars off the ball. You guys tell me, I mean, last year they seemed to find a really good balance with Marcus Smart as the point guard. How much has the ball actually been in his hands this year? I mean, I would argue that sometimes they look their best when Smart's got the ball in his hands and you got Tatum and Brown working off the ball. Yeah. And some of the things that they, I mean, it takes. I'm surprised to hear you say that, Ev. This was supposed to be the year of point Tatum for you. Well, yeah, and look, he's, it's still something that's obviously very uh, very prevalent, and Tatum has brought the ball up a lot more this year. But the one thing that I'll say about Tatum is, and I don't know when this happened this year, maybe it was in the offseason, it's one of the things that makes Steph Curry one of the most special players in the game is all the stuff that he does because he knows if he works off the ball, he's going to get the ball. Like, he's Steph Curry. And if he does all this work off the ball to get himself open, he's either going to get a, a, a good shot or set himself up for it. And I think Tatum this year has done a really good job working off the ball to get the ball back, right? Let's say he gives it up. Well, he knows if he just does a few things, he's going to get it back. It's because he's Jason Tatum. Um, I, I, I think there are times when the offense looks stagnant because Tatum and Brown decide that they want to go one-on-one for a little while and, and see how it goes. And they're both excellent shot makers. I'll say this about Brown, though. Brown against the Raptors, was, his three-shot, the three-ball wasn't falling that well, but he was attacking the basket and just bullying guys out of the way. I mean, the thing about Tate, the Brown this year is the physicality in which that he attacks the rim and just guys bounce off him now. Scal was talking about it during the game as well. It's just, it's like it's hysterical because, you, you know, you see some of the early Jalen stuff and there was – some early Jalen um, video because he sat down with Shams and Shams talked with him about getting drafted. And you see Jalen on draft day, he's he's much leaner, you know, and now he's filled out. Oh, yeah. He's his oh, just shoulders yeah. are tired. He's a teenager. He's nineteen. Can it's, we just real quick on on that interview? Because I yeah, I, I watched it. It was ten minutes and it, it was really good. I tweeted it out. It was it was it was a good conversation. I enjoyed it, and it was about. Like Ev said, from coming into the league and being drafted by Boston and, and relationships, be it with Smart or Tatum or others and legacy, all of, you know, all of it. It, it was a good conversation. By all means, check it out. I'm a little sort of after the fact. It's so funny that you brought it up, Ev, because I was in my head, like while you guys were talking about, I'm just sort of thinking about that interview and what pissed me off about it. It came very quickly in the wake of the controversial, if you will, interviews. Not saying they should have been controversial, but they were met with controversy in Boston. Uh, the, the interviews that he did with the New York Times with the ringer and, and about, you know, some very real subjects, obviously. Uh, and I, I have all the appreciation for, for Jalen, but. You know, then Jalen obviously at the podium being asked about it and saying that some of the stuff was taken out of context and there there will come a time where I'll address this stuff and on and on. And then he, he has a sit down with Shams and we see the video like within days of that happening or a week of that happening and isn't asked about any of it. And and maybe like you tell me, Murph, like was was he given pre-approved questions <laughs> like we're yeah, not going to hear that stuff, yeah, you know, I like that stuff's off limits. Yeah. Sure, I could easily see that Jalen um, just says I've addressed this, which he hasn't. But he, yeah, I could see Shams getting it on it. Jalen obviously is uh, someone on his behalf is approaching national media outlets. So he's, uh, you know, this is some kind of a plan, but. You know, the part that's weak is, well, it was taken out of context. There'll be, you know, I want to, uh, I want to set the record straight. I'm just not going to do it now. Well, that's, you know, that's pretty weak. Yeah. And then he has the interview with Shams, which is a perfect forum to be able to clear any sort of air or or clarify anything that he wants to clarify. And, and look, I don't, and not, 
you guys, like anyone listening, don't take this the wrong way. I love Jalen Brown. I want him to be a Celtic for life. But you can't kind of talk out of both sides of your mouth with that stuff. Right. It's, you know, that's, and I don't know, it just feel it's disingenuous in, in many ways. And that's, I don't know, kind of, it didn't really bug me in the moment because I was sort of captivated by the interview. And right. then the more I thought about it after the fact, it was like, wait, well, I enjoyed what we heard, but what didn't we hear? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's setting his market. He, he's anticipating a very big free agency period. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could easily see him going somewhere else. Absolutely. I could, I could see him going to another team. That's fair. But I, I hope I not. Back, can I push back on this for just a second? Please. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that has happened over the years because of the lack of like day to day access, like Mark, you remember when you could sit down with guys and, and really develop relationships with them. And I think the past right. couple of years, that particular style of reporting and journalism uh, went away because of the pandemic, right? We couldn't do mm-hmm. any of that stuff any, for sure. a while because of mm-hmm. safety precautions, right? I'm not trying to get into a debate about the pandemic. I'm just trying to state what happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, now that we we have locker room access again, I, I want to highlight Jared Weiss. I think Jared did a great job in asking Jalen, I think, a very good question. And I think if you didn't hear it and didn't hear the way Jared phrased it, you wouldn't understand why it was important the way he said it. And I actually – I talked to Jared about it, and I uh, complimented him on the phrasing of the question because, to me, you know, Jalen said some stuff. And obviously, you know, when you have articles to write, you can pick and pull what quotes you use, et cetera, et cetera. He cannot control what everybody uses for quotes. He just has answers. Now, look, he might answer questions honestly and then look back and be like, dang, I should have not done that or whatever, whatever. The one thing I think that Weiss brought up that I thought was interesting, again, was the phrasing of the question. It was, Jalen, how – it's something – It's I'm paraphrasing. It was, Jalen, how – exhausting is it or how annoying is it or you know uh, how hard is it to have all these things said about you and not answer all of them and try and keep the focus on basketball because he's been asked a lot of the same stuff recently and it's like you know what do you mean by this what do you mean by this and he's like it feels like it takes a lot of energy to answer all of these questions yeah yeah, that's a and, great question. And Jalen said, you know what? That's, you know, it's hard. I can't answer everything and keep my focus on basketball because at the end of the day, these guys are on a team to win basketball games. And I, I truly believe that him and Jalen really care about winning basketball games. I think they all do, but I think those two guys specifically because they're the leaders of the team talk about how they care about winning a lot. I mean, they, whenever you sit them both down, in, a, in an interview, they're like, hey, like there's that great, that great, um, interview. I think it was maybe last season before last season where Jalen and Jason are both sitting down and Jalen looks at Jason and goes, Hey man, you want to win? He goes, Yeah, I want to win really bad. He goes, See, he wants to win. I want to win. I think we're going to be a great match. Right. Yeah. I think they really like, cause they, Tatum doesn't really do a lot of talking anyway. You know, Tatum's focus is on basketball. He, his focus is on basketball and deuce. That's it. That is Tatum's lifestyle. <laughs> Well, thought, and and celebrity and commercials and marketing it's and part of the, it's wait, part of the gig. I'm thrilled. Well, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not condemning it. I just mean like, let's not pretend that's not a huge part of his life. No, it is, but like you know, which is not a part of Jalen Brown's life hardly at all. No, but I thought the question of like, you know, how how exhausting is it to, you know, try and focus on basketball and do all this other stuff simultaneously? And right. Jalen talked about that in a, in a great answer. It wasn't like this BS answer that, you know, Mark, you, you're used to this of like coach speak or player speak of like, you know, just trying to focus on the game one at a time, blah, 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 blah. This yeah. was a real legitimate answer. Right. And I thought that it was a little enlightening into the, mm-hmm. to the mind of Jalen Brown. And I think we've lost that connection, right? You can't develop that connection with a Jalen or a Jason or an Al and how to really talk to them to get them to answer questions specifically without that relationship. So I think what has happened over the years is 
you know, we just asked these guys, like, well, how was how was it going tonight? You know, how'd you feel tonight? Like, we, we this is yeah, these, generic these answers. Yeah, this was a real question that took real thought in terms of how Jalen would answer this question. How do I get this answer out of Jalen? I thought it was great. I think what happens is with these national ones is you're asked about you know similar generic questions all the time. And Jalen has answered a lot of these all the time. And like one of the things I found funny in the interview, Kaufman, is they asked him about the all NBA thing. Yeah. And the team, he was like, they were like, so how do you feel about this all NBA thing? You know, you know, are you a guard? Are you a forward? He goes, well, the team wants me to say I'm a forward. So I'm going to yeah. say I'm a forward, which <laughs> no, tells he said me, the, the team, the team and media. Yeah. Which, which so. shout out Greeny who tweets out Jalen Brown's a forward every single day. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I found the interesting of like, you know, the team wants me to be a forward. So that would tell me that the team is very interested in Jalen Brown getting Supermax eligible so they could pay him more money than anybody else to keep him on the team. You know, that's the, the, I, one big thing I took from that Kaufman was that answer of like, mm-hmm. they want me to be a forward for financial reasons so they could pay me right. the most money and I stay here. That's the one thing I, I mean, that's, that's a good thing. I mean, it, it'd be worse if he, you know, he was thinking like the, the team wants me to be a guard so I don't make the team and they, they could pay me 50 million less or at least offer me 50 million less. Right, you know, right, that right. Wick Grossbeck and company would, you know, they're, they're praying for the opportunity to give him a super max contract. I would think. Yeah, I would. Oh, you, absolutely. You, you, you don't want to lose a guy like Jalen Brown. I just, I, while I, well, I guess the way Murph put it, I will agree. I could see Jalen Brown going somewhere else, but I don't see it happening. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, it's it's not. A, I don't think it's a lock that he would stay, but I think if if that dollar figure is presented to him versus considerably less from somewhere else, unless there was some sort of a trade, right. you know, sign sure. and trade, obviously. Sure. I you know I I just I don't think it's realistic he'd go somewhere else because I I do think that. Unless he's being completely putting on a face, you know, with, with, uh, what he is saying to everyone. And, and there have been admissions to, to the contrary, namely those interviews that he did, obviously. But I, I guess I'm just inclined to believe, maybe I'm wrong. I, I've never spoken with him about it. I'm inclined to believe that he is happier than not in his overall <laughs> situation. And, and I include the Celtics and, and this being a, a competitive team that annually is hopefully going to contend for championships and playing alongside a superstar and him being a top 15 player in his own right. And, you know, obviously there's, there are the challenges of, of Boston that come with that, that I'm not excusing. I'm just putting it as part of the overall big picture. I, I think that. The overall picture to Jalen is, I'm just guessing, probably more attractive than not, you know, than going and being a number one somewhere else on a team that is a fringe playoff team or at best a a five seed that's never really in the hunt for a championship. I don't think that's what he wants. No, and the the chance to win rings is paramount for everybody. Mm -hmm. But I just thought, what if... You know, he's a person with much larger aspirations. Than sure. Mike. Yeah, we've been talking about that for years. Absolutely. He, uh, you know, his rookie year, I went over to Harvard and saw him address uh, an education forum. I mm. mean, he's, you know, it would behoove him to go to a place like Washington just to get into the mix. I mean, he would be a big star there. And the other place that just occurs to me is his hometown. I mean, he, he went there to lead a civil rights march. Um, he was instrumental in the effort to remove the name of a civil war general from his school. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he is just, he really feels this stuff and he is a leader. So, I could see him going to Atlanta, for example, and just changing that culture pretty quickly. Although, was it? It was Gary that said this to us. Gary Washburn last week, Ev, right? That that is as far as his, you know, kind of view of the world is as it relates to Jalen Brown. Like maybe everything that you just said, because you framed it a different way than Gary did. 
everything that you just said may very well be true. Like maybe he would love to go, you know, play at home to evoke change mm-hmm. in, you know, the community where he grew up, you know, just outside of Atlanta and, and, and Atlanta proper and all of that. What Gary was saying was, you know, I, I can't imagine Jalen Brown like grew up dreaming of being a hawk. You know, like it's no, it's it's no. it, like you know, like it's important. Yeah, right. You know, sure. like it's important by the end of my like in the same like he was saying if like if St. Louis had a basketball team, you know that by the end of Jason Tatum's career, he would want to play there at some point. Mm-hmm. That would be very important to him. Jalen sure. Brown, you know, doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's like by the end of my career, I have to be a hawk. That's you a know? great movie. <laughs> uh, but but I think what you said, you know, looking at the the community element of it and not the basketball element of it, that could be very true for sure. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, and he would be the star. I mean, there would yeah. be no question about who would be number one on that team. Yeah, it might be like a. I like the idea of the like Washington Wizards as like a. That's where he, you know, finishes up like MJ going somewhere. Not like to that degree of, but like that's his forum or his foray or his way to sneak into, you know, DC politics. But like, you know, he moonlights as a basketball player, but really he's like running for Senate or something. You know, like I can totally. I've been saying on this show for years, for years, like it making the Bill Bradley, you know, comparison. Like I could absolutely, and I'm not the only one. I like anyone who's a Jalen Brown fan who has been watching him in, in, in the way that he talks and what he does in the community and, and speaking at Harvard, like, like Mark mentioned and, uh, you know, the marches and, and what, you know, what he has done for, for social justice movements and Black Lives Matter and the, uh, you know, the role in the Players Association being a VP. Of course, like we could all picture this guy in office. Absolutely. Yeah. And then he, then you get Malcolm Brogdon, who everybody thinks is going to be president. <laughs> call, call him the president. Yeah. Guys, um, well, they're both, they, the, the Celtics for some reason have this weird trend of having guys become VPs, the, the players association between. Are we including Kyrie? Kyrie. Yeah. Kyrie, Jalen, yeah. uh, Malcolm, and, and now Grant Williams. Yeah. Grant. You now they take yeah. that seriously, which is awesome. You know, I think it's great that they, that they want to, you know, help pave the way for future players and getting them more benefits and, Helping the WNBA, by the way, trying to to help out uh, another league, you know, you know, gain mm-hmm. a little more footing in terms of you know overall revenue, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's great that they look out for their their fellow players like that, especially when you have you know you're you're in the shadows of Bill Russell, who's done more for basketball players than any other person on the planet. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's nice that that tradition continues to live on through Celtics players. I would argue though, and this is this might sound a little controversial that. You know, Jalen Brown, and I love Jalen. Jalen, again, I just defended the fact that I think he's, you know, the, we're maybe taking him out of context, right? I would argue the fact that Jalen Brown is as popular as he is primarily because he is a Celtic, because he's been playing in Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA mm-hmm. Finals basically every year he's been in the league. I mean, you look at Brandon Ingram, Ben Simmons, uh, yeah. uh, guys that were drafted at Dragon Bender, Marquise Chris, <laughs> Jamal Murray. I mean, nobody has the profile that Jalen Brown has because they haven't won as much. I mean, Jamal Murray's a hell of a player. You know, Brandon Ingram's a hell of a player. Those guys are also hurt all the time. But they also haven't won nearly as much. The reason why Jalen gets cover stories on The Ringer and The New York Times and Shams is because he's a winner. And he's a winner because he plays Mm -hmm. in Boston. And I think it's understandable to also understand that point, that Boston has had a huge – huge part of his development in, in, in the fact that he has a, a, a higher profile in the league is because he plays for a team that wins consistently. And I also think he probably understands that a little bit. Yeah. To that point, Mark, by the, well, go ahead. By the way, I had the Celtics taking Dragon Bender in my mock draft. Yeah. You probably said it on, on our show at the time when we were doing a, uh, and, and for the record, most people, cause I, I had, you know, we, we did like a draft preview show that year because it was such a big deal. Celtics having number three. And there were, I, I probably asked like 15 writers, former players, you know, people who covered the Celtics in some capacity and uh, quite a few said Dragon Bender. You were not in the, uh, the, the minority there. I mean, he was kind of the, the, the popular pick then. Chris Dunn was a popular pick. Uh, like I, I wanted them to take Chris Dunn, but not because I wanted them to take Chris Dunn. It was because, 
I wanted them to take Chris Dunn because the rumor was that taking Chris Dunn was going to get you Jimmy Butler. You know, that that was, you know, who was desired in a trade at that point in time. So if you wanted Butler, you needed Dunn. And so I wanted Dunn. Yeah. I mean, and, and Danny laughs at us all and, you know, br- brings home, uh, you know, perhaps the best player out of that draft and certainly the guy who, as Evan said, has had the most success. Uh, the the well, the last thing for me, just piggybacking off of what we were just talking about, because we've never really had this conversation and you, Mark, for years and years and years, you know, maybe not as much now in retirement, but in, in your decades covering this team far closer to the organization than us. Do you think it's something that's unique, I guess, uh, about the Celtics organization, you know, now, especially under Wick, under uh, all, you know, Pags, all the owners under Brad, un, you know, not not so much the, you know, Joe, because he's because he's new to the role, but Brad's been there for, you know, a decade now in one capacity or another. And Danny before him, do you think there's there's something special or or unique about this organization that does really empower players to do all that we've talked about to to have you know four four guys recently be vps in the players association and to you know champion as many causes as they have or continue to is there something is is it just sort of the way we are going culturally in sports or do you think it is something that is that is unique about the celtics organization um well they've always you know that is part of their history you know they've been the first in a lot of areas in this mm-hmm. league but in terms of the current guys i mean brogdon was doing this when he was in milwaukee yep. he was the one who read the milwaukee statement when they nearly boycotted the game that night mm-hmm. um grant can you ever imagine a time when grant didn't talk <laughs> it, it, it's uh you know so i I don't, I don't think it's their culture that has grown these guys. I mean, Grant, you know, Grant's rookie year, you remember he was reading, he was promoting Marcus Smart for the all-star game. He was yeah. showing us the flyers and all that stuff. He, it, but now that they have it, I think it's, uh, you know, it is amazing. I mean, it's, you know, you talk about integrity. Uh, and then you have Jason Tatum who is one of the quietest stars this league is now. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe less there. so in the last year or so, but, but yeah, for, yeah. Yeah, for, for a long time for sure. But uh, yeah. Ev, any, anything to add before we get out of here? Um, You know, I was going to get a little bit more into Mark in terms, but like, you know, that sort of topic has gone by the wayside about how, you know, developing relationships – you know, over time has changed, you know, like Mark has firsthand right. experience in sure. trying to understand how guys think. And I just think, again, when it comes back to that Jalen Brown stuff, you know, and, and Weiss specifically, you know, I, I think that has gotten lost a little bit in this day and age with, with, with the, the personal touch you can add to the questions that you ask at the end. I think we've just been accustomed to this like car wash sort of like, Oh, I'm just going to ask this. Same questions tonight, boys. Just going to ask it from different different angles, you know? I mean, I I can say something about that if you want. It's uh, Jared asks great questions. I mean, Mm -hmm. and he has a great feel. He does have a terrific relationship with some players, and that, that, that is much less. I mean, I'll... I'll honestly say, you know, my first year on the beat for the Herald, I obviously had Bird, McCallum, Parrish, and Dennis Johnson, and Reggie Lewis. Those were the guys I started covering. And, you know, you could sit next to them in plane terminals and talk to them while they wait waited for their flight. And Everybody talked before games. Michael Jordan held court before every game. He took whatever questions you wanted to ask him. And there's been that separation now. It's, uh, I'll, I'll honestly say, and I've known every Celtic star since that period. Um, 
the two that I have felt the less, least connection with and is because of the circumstances of Tatum and Brown. I just wasn't able to get as close to those guys as I did to previous players, but it, it does erode a little bit every year, you know, access is cut down. Uh, you know, you get to know some of the people who are with the players and they can be a very good connection. Um, and some guys are just Marcus Smart has always been great about you want to come over to my locker and talk? Sure, fine. But there are less guys like that. I think I'm I'm guessing, you know, not knowing firsthand like you, but I'm I'm assuming a part of it too is not just the eroded access, you know, that started with the pandemic and has only, you know, continued, but also just tech technology and social media. You know, there there was a point in time where athletes needed the media to get their message out and now they just do it on their own you know on their own podcasts on 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 their own you know their own articles on the players tribune on their own social media posts on on you know instagram or twitter or wherever else uh you know sometimes to a fault obviously but more often than not in in a very positive way and that's it's it hasn't lessened the need for, you know, beat writers or columnists or talking heads, but it's, it's yeah. changed the job considerably. Sure. Sure. Everybody. Well, it's always a little bit of everybody's always chasing the same story. Yeah. Know? It's, but it's, uh, yeah, it's the opportunities are less for sure. Well, what we're chasing is uh, the postseason. Because next show, next week, that's where we're going to be. Playoffs, getting ready for, uh, you know, who's going to the Celtics opponent going to be. Maybe by that, I, I haven't looked at the the overall postseason schedule with the play-in tournament and all of that. Uh, maybe by the next show, we'll actually know who the first-round opponent is going to be. I hope so. And uh, it'll be fun. Something to preview. But Murph, uh, we haven't had you on in a while. We have been, uh, you. you know, you're you're living your, your post you know, reporter life in uh, in retirement here, and again, just kicking my ass in fantasy basketball. Everybody. So, yeah, <laughs> and, and everybody else's too. Uh, so. I, I'm sure. I'm sure if, uh, fate will reverse. In that case, yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't, I, you know what you're doing. This is what you. you as long as you allow keepers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you keep? Is is it Donovan Mitchell? Oh yeah, your your proverbial yeah. MVP. Well, and Giannis. I remember looking at Mark's team and I was like, oh, one I got, keeper. oh, wait, there's Giannis. I'm totally screwed. No, I'm done. <laughs> I looked at it. I was like, oh, <laughs> we know I got the Got the Giannis. I'm like, no, nah, we're packing you know, in, boys. We're all set. You, we're good. you know what really worked out and it wasn't my intention was also having Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis on the team because anytime they sat Giannis, their minutes increased. That's a good point. Called smart drafting, Mark. Yeah, take credit for that. Don't don't say that was an accident. <laughs> yeah. Totally all right. Thank, thanks to Murph, to Ev, I'm Adam. Thank you uh, to all of you for watching, listening, rate, review, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. All of that good stuff that we always tell you long after you're probably tuned out. Thanks for hanging with us. The regular season's two games from being in the books, and then it's on to the fun part. Couple months of playoffs. I hope we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, guys.